Welcome to this BJSM podcast, and it's a great pleasure to be with Asim Alotra. He's going to touch on a couple of issues related to nutrition, obesity, and exercise that follow up on an editorial that he wrote in the BJSM that was entitled that you can't outrun a bad diet. This led to some interest on Twitter, and we're going to follow up with Asim in person. Thanks for joining us in the studio in London, Asim. Pleasure, Kareem. Now, do you believe in exercise? Do you think exercise is a powerful health modality? Oh, absolutely. I think the evidence is very clear that doing regular activity, even doing a 20-minute brisk walk a day, um, significantly reduces the risk of people developing heart disease, high blood pressure, type 2 diabetes, dementia, and even many cancers. And if I didn't believe that, I wouldn't be spending 20 to 30 minutes exercising every day myself, almost obsessively. I mean, I myself have, you know, captained sports teams at school and university. Um, if I don't go, if I go a day without doing any kind of vigorous physical activity, I probably get a bit of withdrawal symptoms, Kareem. So, you know, but I do it for health reasons. Um, I do it because I feel good. I know it's good for me. Um, It's good for me psychologically. So there are lots of reasons I use it for stress. So no one can deny there are many health benefits to doing regular physical activity. But in a sentence, is there one condition that is not so great for compared to all the other benefits that it has? Absolutely. And I think, you know, the, the where it doesn't seem to have any consistent benefit is in uh, weight loss. And, you know, the evidence is pretty overwhelming that in general, although there are some studies that show that exercise will contribute to weight loss, I think overall, in comparison to diet alone, there doesn't seem to be any significant impact. And there are lots of reasons for that. I think one of the reasons is that um, exercise itself can be quite a powerful stimulant of appetite, not in everybody, but in, in many. And people will consume the same amount of calories that they burn. But also the other aspect is actually about 70, up to 75% of our calories uh, that we burn actually is, is done, is, it happens from doing nothing. And many people don't realize that. It's a basal metabolic rate you know, for, the, for basic bodily functions, whether it's uh, your heart beating, whether it's breathing, whether it's keeping your blood temperature at the right level. You, know, you use energy all the time doing that. Um, and one person that I would paraphrase really, uh, is Lord Ian McCall. So he's a professor of surgery. He was a former shadow health minister when uh, former prime minister John Major was in opposition. And uh, he's been you know, very interested in obesity and, and been campaigning on his concerns of re- regarding obesity for many, many years. And in fact, he actually says, and he's absolutely right, that an obese person doesn't have to do one iota of increased physical activity in order to lose weight They just need to eat less. Now, that isn't saying that they shouldn't exercise, but the focus should be primarily on types and amounts of calories consumed when it comes to weight. But I think the most important message overall is that we should do both exercise, regular activity and diet for health purposes, not for weight. And so... One of the challenges is this idea that a calorie is a calorie and it's often spouted saying that why is eating a certain type of food different when the calories are the same? Absolutely, Kareem. And, you know, that's a very good point. And that's one of the things that we mentioned in the editorial that the perception out there is all calories are the same. However, it's the quality of those calories that count. If I was to consume 160 calories of almonds, you know, some of that is going to be fiber. And, you know, how can anyone think that the it's going to have the same metabolic effects on my body as consuming 160 calories of sugar. You've got good nutritional quality in almonds. You've got good fats. In sugar, you have absolutely no nutritional value whatsoever. And in fact, that leads leads us on to another point is that, you know, in all of this discussion, um, we should think about obesity, not so much about excess calories consumed, but think more about it as a condition of fat storage. The question is, 
what is driving that fat storage? What is causing that overconsumption? What is contributing to fat storage within the body? And insulin is that hormone. And it's very clear that when people consume carbohydrates, um, and specifically refined carbohydrates, that has the biggest impact on insulin in compared to fat or protein. Um, and that's what helps drive fat storage. But also, when we think about calories in terms of where they come from, certainly if you consume fat, and again, this is, you know, fat that has good nutritional value, um, you're going to be satiated, you're going to feel full. And I guess just to clarify what might seem like a paradox to some people, is saying that if you're eating sugars, that gets stored as fat. But if you get, if you eat fat, it burns up your fat later and doesn't get stored as fat. I mean, that does seem weird. Yeah, sure. And I think that's all, it all comes down to the, the effects of insulin, really. So, you know, when you consume, consume sugars, you know, the, the glucose hit really causes insulin to rise. And any excess sugars that you consume, the liver will convert that to actually fat. Um, and that can get stored as fat. Um, and it can also increase, increase triglycerides in the bloodstream. And I think that message needs to really get across to people. And in terms of using as a fuel, certainly, you know, the studies and the research that has been done by Steve Finney and Tim Noakes, who are also co-authors on the paper, um, clearly show that actually, you know, athletes, endurance athletes can become fat adapted, can use fat as a fuel energy source because they deplete their glycogen stores in their liver and then they can adapt to start using fat, which actually is quite an efficient um, fuel for the body and can actually keep um, athletes going for longer. And that brings us on to something else, Kareem, which again has been, in my view, misappropriated by vested interests, is this concentration on just being a healthy weight. Well, actually, we know up to 40% of people with a normal body, body mass index will harbor metabolic abnormalities that the that obese people have, which include high blood pressure, for example, uh, type 2 diabetes, fatty liver disease. And, you know, people should not have the illusion of protection that if they're consuming bad quality calories in terms of junk food and they have a normal body weight, that that's fine. Actually, what they should be doing is thinking, even if I'm a normal body weight, be active and also consume good foods and, and healthy foods. Because, you know, I've never been overweight, but I've always been concerned about the fact that I have, you know, some abdominal fat. I'm, I'm aware of that. I have a family history of type 2 diabetes and high blood pressure. Um, certainly the Asian population, there are a lot of people with a normal body mass index from conventional terms that have type 2 diabetes and uh, I know I'm at risk therefore you know for me it's extremely important to get the right kind of calories right quality of food in and again you know where does this come in terms of the hierarchy and this is in no way undermining exercise but according to the Lancet Global Burden of Disease reports poor diets contributes to more disease than physical inactivity smoking and alcohol combined. And from a data point of view, you mentioned a lusty study from Stanford. It's probably worth briefly sharing that. This is a fascinating study, uh, an econometric analysis carried out by researchers at Stanford University, including Sanjay Basu and Robert Lustig. And what they did is they looked at sugar availability worldwide at different time points and related that to the prevalence of type 2 diabetes. But they also looked at um, calories from other sources, including fats and protein, for example. And what they found was, for every excess of 150 calories of sugar there was, um, typical of a can of cola, for example, in comparison to calories from fat or protein of 150 fruit, there was an 11-fold increase in the prevalence of the type 2 diabetes, independent of body weight and independent of physical activity. And... You know, this clearly shows that um, the effects of sugar are independent of your activity levels and your uh, body, body mass index, which again supports uh, other evidence around the fact that even people who have a normal body mass index who consume 
um, unhealthy foods, added sugar, refined carbs um, are probably putting their, their, their health at risk. Kids, can they be obese by six months? And if so, is that because they're inactive? Yeah, well, well, exactly. So uh, Robert Lustig, um, there's a very good interview with him on, on YouTube. Um, you know, he describes the fact that we have an epidemic of uh, obese six-month-olds, certainly in the United States. Um, and how do we explain that? It's clearly not because of lack of exercise. It must be through something they're consuming. Um, and, you know, there are different uh, theories around what that could be. Certainly fructose has been implicated, as well as other things in maybe baby food or formula milk. Clearly, lack of exercise is extremely unlikely, if not impossible, to be the reason why a six-month-old baby is obese. Some people say that, you know, people can't stick to a diet for a long term, so there's no point. You may as well just concede defeat and exercise a lot. And uh, this is not about, this is about a lifestyle change. And unless people try it, you're not going to know. Um, but it's doable, certainly. Um, may not be that straightforward at the beginning, uh, but it's much easier than people think. And uh, you're going to be better off for your health because of it. And, you know, if I didn't believe that, I wouldn't follow that myself. I'm a cardiologist. I'm here to do um, a job that ultimately I hope will be best for your health and giving you the right advice. Second last question, Asim. You were criticised on Twitter for saying that you were giving obese people an excuse not to exercise. Um. Yeah, I can't, I can't quite see where that's coming from, to be honest, because you know, if anyone's actually read the editorial, at no point do we undermine the role of exercise. In fact, we big it up very strongly at the beginning. In fact, the exercise, the miracle cure paper from the Academy of Medical Royal College, I was a co-author on that paper, I actually studied it in a lot of detail um, and uh, you know, reviewed it thoroughly. I was asked actually to review it properly as well. So I'm very much aware about the benefits of exercise and it was, it was felt even amongst the Academy uh, authors that wrote the, wrote the paper that although exercise has many benefits for um, many conditions that we've discussed earlier, you know, it didn't, the, the impact on weight was, was really quite negligible. And then you've made some food suggestions, but I'm sure that you don't think it's one recipe for everyone and you're probably encouraging people to try different things, but maybe to try some of these things that you've talked about if they haven't tried them before. Yes, absolutely, Kareem. I think, you know, it's fair to say one size doesn't fit all. But, you know, the question is, what is the best best default diet? And I come back to this, good nutrition. Eat foods that are going to have good nutrition value. Foods that aren't going to cause big spikes in insulin because we know it's a fat storing hormone. We know it uh, contributes to inflammatory processes. Um, and, uh, you know, for me personally, you know, I make sure there are a few things in my diet I, that are essential every day. And they include um, regular consumption of nuts. Um, I have at least four tablespoons of extra virgin olive oil per day. I probably have a lot more at times. Um, and I'll try and have oily fish at least two to three times a week, even often sometimes more than that. Uh, plenty of vegetables. You know, I think vegetables have great uh, nutritional quality. And, and we know that we know that there's good evidence behind having lots of vegetables being good for you. And uh, really reducing the amount of added sugars and refined carbs. No fruit juice. I don't touch fruit juice at all. In terms of fruit consumption, you know, I'll have probably a piece of fruit. I do think that we probably don't need so much fruit in our diet. Certainly more vegetables is better. And uh, so far it's working for me and I enjoy my food. There's nothing restrictive about it. I eat till I'm full. And that's another aspect to all of this. Uh, and this is where I completely agree with Tim Noakes is that actually the body will regulate itself often when you eat foods that are going to give you new, new, good nutritional quality. I don't think that we were genetically designed to become overweight or obese. Thanks, Asim. And sounds like you found a nutritional plan that could give you the hashtag 
happy, not hungry, but uh, we'll see how that goes. Thanks for listening to BJSM Podcast and encourage you to look for the BJSM app, which allows you to find our blog, podcasts, YouTube videos very easily. Thanks a ton for listening.